Welcome to Beyond the Board, a podcast that explores the themes and real-life inspirations behind tabletop games. I'm Mike Riemann. And I'm Michael Sater. And on today's episode of Beyond the Board, we'll be discussing the themes behind the game Splendor. Splendor. Is it Splendor or Splendor? Yeah, like, like the forest moon. Oh, yeah, the forest moon of Splendor. Yes. Yeah, that's the one that looks like a giant geode. Uh, so Splendor is uh is it's a it's a resource management collection kind of game but you are affecting other players while you're playing and you're kind of engine building so different uh gems that you collect whether they are mines or whether they are shops uh those are the gems that you'll be able to consistently have opposed to having to draw special gem tokens it's true it's a lot of fun and it changes a lot uh uh uh, the dynamic changes a lot between playing with two players three players or four players which i really like because it it changes how you have to play against a an entire market of of gem collectors and Mm -hmm. miners or just another person who is trying to uh have a bigger engine than you do yeah it's neat because you, you there's never a time in the game that you feel like you're not actually doing well. I think that was really cool about it is you were looking around and and everybody had like a mine that created so many diamonds or or something that created so many emeralds and it, it, they never felt like they were just super far behind. So you're constantly neck and neck with everybody, which is really cool. Yeah, once you create kind of that that monopoly of like I'm the only one with 10 diamond mines and like when your card comes up it's great, but another card replaces it immediately, so you you can never really be in the lead that long. Yeah, yeah, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh and so since since if you get a chance play it, but uh since that game is all about uh mining and uh, and and cutting and, and and everywhere from sourcing the actual minerals to to market uh, and to actual market, we are going to be talking about just that. Yes, minerals to market. I guess gems to market, minerals. Mining to market. Mining to market. Mining to market's better. Yeah, let's go with that. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to talk too much about the science of how gems are actually made, um, but we're going to be talking definitely about the whole entire chain and how it's begins. That's Where true. does it begin, Mike? Well, it begins uh, depending on the gemstone and where they're located with some different types of mining. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll find that uh, uh, pr- pretty much the most common technique of, of mining gemstones is called open cast or open pit mining. Yeah, and those are the ones that you see like in those, um, I know they've been in the uh, Jack Reacher movies, but it's just like a lot of uh, uh, action movies will take that the giant pit and and that's the one that goes down like a giant ramp that's just right has a big spiral down. with a giant truck yeah, that, huge that goes down truck it. Yeah. yeah um and this is usually when uh gemstones are more near the surface where you can just dig down and you blast at an angle um so that you can continually get rid of the rock that you're getting out of the way and you know, haul up the uh, the ore that you are um coming up uh and when they're done for diamond mines they are usually enormous uh some of them are more than a kilometer wide it's crazy yeah and they usually are done with diamond mines because diamonds are generally closer to the surface right Right. and also you won't harm any of the gemstones by blasting the earth because diamonds are so hard so you can use this kind of more aggressive mining technique Mm -hmm. Uh, another type of mining would be underground mining and there's a couple different ways of underground mining generally you think of underground mining you think of the old prospector mine cart and like the the wooden archways leading down to a mine the old western mine and that's called tunneling they're made uh, from the surface down 
to the actual gym bearing rock, and it's usually done by blasting or using a pickaxe, the old-fashioned way. That's and true. That's to remove the gym rough or the rough gym. That's the unprocessed, non-opaque, colorful block. Yeah, that's a great way of describing. <laughs> no, it was it, it was perfect. Uh, there are other ki- types of underground mining too. You can do chambering, where you just sink a single vertical shaft into the into the earth, and then you offshoot at various levels to get things at different uh, pressures and, and levels in the earth. Kind of like a tree in its roots. So yes. You have like one main root and going branching off from there. Absolutely. Uh, there's also block caving. Um, this is also used in diamond mining. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's allowing a steady collapse under its own weight. So you're actually digging underneath where the mine or the gems would be and then they basically would just shake out and then you dig that out from there and they call it a mine (laughs) yeah it's really just kind of a wait was that a quote it was yes i was doing a lord of the rings thing Mm. Uh, here's old man prospector. Uh, so, so <laughs> gimli, gemstones, okay. <laughs> gemstones. I was talking about my laugh. Those gemstones. So they can be found obviously in in the ground, but sometimes they are also found in rivers and lakes. And this is including opal, ruby, amethyst, jasper, garnet, topaz, beryl. And so, if they're deposited in these rivers and lakes, then they are usually mined by something that you might be familiar with called wet digging, also known as panning, which the old prospectors used to do for gold yes. uh, during the gold rush. And it's uh, if you don't know what it is, it's it's generally a bunch of gemstones and sediment and stuff are all mixed together and they're, and they're washed down and then you have a pan with holes and the holes will, will knock out the bigger stuff and collect the smaller stuff and eventually you can find your little rough gemstones inside there. That's true. You can also do dry digging when doing wet mining, where you block off the flow of a river at both ends using dams and you create a dry area of the river where you drain it and then you can just go through and uh, pick and collect. That seems like cheating. Uh, yes, in many <laughs> ways, yes. There's also deep sea mining, which this is, I haven't actually heard of this, but basically it's a new process that they use hydraulic suction and, with a continuous line bucket system and and there's like a conveyor belt that sucks everything out and then they go through it. But it's generally really expensive because you're on the ocean floor. And so it's only really done to find diamonds because they're you're going to get the most bang for their buck. Well, it actually has one other very important use that uh, has been uh, in use for a couple of decades now. James Cameron filming. Oil. Oh, that too. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not gemstone mining, but still a type of, of undersea mining. Yeah. It's also worth mentioning that organic gems, um, such as pearls or amber, can also be used during pit mining. Think about Jurassic Park uh, when they find the the one amber fossil with the mosquito on it. Uh, And then you also have pearls, which are found in mollusks like oysters or clams. That's true, and it's usually just divers who just go down and collect and and then sell to market. In the middle of a pearl, is there still a single grain of sand? You know, I don't know. Because that's how it works, right? Like it's a right, pearl it's a single, created, right? That that's it's just constantly coated and then coated and then coated and then coated. So yeah, I would guess so that there is still a grain of sand unless it's chemically altered somehow. Interesting. I just thought about that now. Sure, <laughs> that's fun. So yeah, those are all the different ways that you can actually extract these rough 
stones. And if you get a chance, take a look online and, and just look at the pictures of these rough stones because they can be in all short, shorts or shapes and sizes. Um, I know uh, Alexandrite, which is a fairly newer gemstone that they've been discovered, has been uh, uh, a rough form in the shape of like a star flower, which has been really, it's just really neat the way these these automatically collect, all these minerals collect underground. It's been neat. That's true. Um and, uh, well, we'll get into a little bit of this later, uh, uh, of the actual finishing of the gem, the cutting and polishing. I just wanted to uh, uh, point out that sometimes people use uh, rough gems with a, a technique of light hammering to kind of knock away any, any stone that's still around them, any rock that's still around them, uh, around the stone that you're going for. And then they just use a tumbler to just kind of even off the edges so that you just have a naturally shaped polished stone, hmm. which is, uh, I think, very interesting. Yeah, you'll see those very often. Though. No, it's true. Mostly you'll see more faceted stones. So where would you find a lot of these stones that we're talking about? Uh, other than diamonds, um, you're going to find them pretty much anywhere. Mm. Um, and a lot of the mining of these colored stones is actually done by just people, not with heavy machinery, but just with a pickaxe. And that's um, to reduce the the uh, uh, accidental breaking of some of these, right? Uh, yes, in a way, but also if you start getting heavy machinery in there, people are going to start to realize that you have access to a mine of precious stones. Well, that's true. So they, most of these people are doing it in their backyards. Uh, uh, lots of places in Southeast Asia, in Russia, in uh, Australia, in uh, uh, Eastern Africa, um, even in Canada and Mexico. Um, mm. uh, and in some places in the United States, though, most of those have already been capitalized where you can go and actually pay a fee to just go panning or go digging and keep whatever you find. Oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah, but a lot of this is done small time. So that they can just take it to their local market and sell it to middlemen who will then get it into the international market mm. um, because uh, most of them are going to come to the United States. Interesting. Yeah, because we're crazy about shiny things. We, we really are. The United States uh, purchased 35% of the world's supply of gemstones a few years ago. Jeez. Uh, even though we're a little over 4% of the world's population, we purchased 35% of the gemstones. Um, and over 99% of them were imported because the United States, while it has some natural uh, gemstone mines, uh, are not, uh, we don't have many. Yeah. Yeah. It's like coffee trees. It's true. Yeah. Except we did get a coffee tree in uh, California. I don't know what I'm thinking about coffee. I think I need to wake up. Uh, so sapphires. Sapphires. Generally in Asia, Middle East, Africa, Australia, and the United States. In Asia, sapphire deposits are mined in Burma or Myanmar, China, and Thailand. Um, and they have huge sapphire deposits in Sri Lanka. Um, but the, once again, that's, that's a carefully monitored, no heavy machinery allowed kind of place. Uh, but famous sapphires from Sri Lanka include the Star of India, the Star of Bombay, and the Logan Sapphire which were just big old neighborhood sapphire. in Chicago, right? Yeah, the yeah. Logan the Logan Square Sapphire. Yeah. Yep. Uh sapphires are uh, uh, uh along with the ruby are uh, corundums, which uh is a type of gemstone that is incredibly hard. Uh, a diamond has a scale of 10 on the Mohs hardness scale, a way of measuring the hardness of, of rock and stone. And uh, rubies and sapphires have a 9. Um, yeah, so let's, uh, I'm going to take take a second just to explain what the Mohs uh, scale is, because this is interesting. So the hardness 
is a, obviously a very important thing to talk about when it comes to gems. Everyone knows that like diamond is the hardest thing. So the Mohs scale was invented in 1822 by a German mineralo- mineralogist named Frederick Mohs, and he discovered that he could scratch all these other gems with a diamond. And so he gave the diamond a 10. But then every other gem below that is on that scale of 9 to to 1, any, anywhere in between there. What's weird is that the diamond is significantly harder. It's 140 times harder than corundum, uh, which is the sapphires and rubies. And so there's this weird leap from, from a level 9 to a level 10 on the scale. And then everywhere between 9 all the way down to 1 goes kind of at like our steady arc. To give you an idea, talc, which is at a 1, where diamond is at a 10, a diamond is 124,000 times harder than talc on that scale. So you can see that it's kind of skewed a little bit. It's Um, linear until the outlier of the diamond. Exactly. It's kind of weird. Some fun things that, uh, just to give you an idea of a hardness, your fingernail is a Mm -hmm. 2.5. A copper coin is about a 3.5. Like a knife or glass, and that's at a 5.5. And then you have like a steel tool, like a screwdriver or something, will be at like a 6.5. So you can see that like it it really just kind of exponentially grows little by little until it gets to that Well, linearly grows. Linear. Thank you very much for the correct (laughs) term. I'll be around for that all the time. (laughs) So yeah, that's uh, that's a quick... Uh, uh, crash course in the Mohs scale. Yes. Yes. Um, so back back to sapphires, yes. I think we were talking about, which I think next uh, we have rubies, which are also a corundum. Uh, yeah, I do have a couple of uh, uh, other interesting facts about sapphires themselves. Do it. They're uh, blue. They are Well, <laughs> they are traditionally they're most prized for their blue and violet hues, but they can be found in a rainbow of colors. But the name sapphire is derived from the Latin sapphiris and the Gleek the Greek sapphiros, both of which mean blue. That's right, yes. Um, and uh, because they're corundums, because they're so naturally hard, they uh, are used for other practical things, too, instead of just jewelry. Um, they have been used in the place of glass, uh, in things like luxury watches, and even some Apple phones. Interesting. I, I always wondered, fun. yeah, I've, I've heard of that used especially in in watches mm-hmm. they're like oh in a sapphire or something like that i'm like right. why does it matter <laughs> it, it doesn't really but it's harder than glass so it doesn't scratch as easily that makes more sense now um there's also there's fun ancient lore because uh a lot of the sky blue uh sapphires were uh associated with the heavens there is lore that holds that the ten commandments were originally written on tablets made of sapphire Oh. I thought that was very interesting. It must have been carved in by ruby. Yes. I mean, diamond. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of rubies that I uh, misspoke, rubies, uh, 95% of the world's rubies are mined in Burma. So rubies are definitely significant to this region in a place uh, appropriately named the Valley of Rubies. <laughs> That's true. Uh, this is where we get all our Pigeon's Blood Rubies, which is an interesting name for a beautiful stone. Uh, The name Ruby is Sanskrit uh, from Ratnaraj, meaning the king of precious stones. Hmm. So uh, move over, diamonds. (laughs) Um, And they've been dug up out of the ground since 600 AD, from what we understand. And early Burmese... 
warriors used to carry rubies to make themselves invincible in battle. They actually put rubies underneath their skin. Yeah. It's gross. Um, <laughs> rubies are just gross. It's true. <laughs> uh, and because they're blood red, a lot of ancient Asian cultures uh, believed each one was formed from a drop of the heart's blood of Mother Earth. So mm. they kind of have this very uh, earthy, Ooh. arcanic... Uh, and they still mind it. And they still mind it. They still just took it out of the ground. <laughs> she won't miss this. Uh, diamonds? Yeah, diamonds. Let's go right. Let's get right in there. Let's get right into diamonds. Um, diamonds can be found in 35 different countries. They're all over the place. Uh, they can be found in South Africa, Botswana, Russia. Um, but then there's a major diamond mining industry in Australia. That's true. Um uh, some of the world's most important and well-known stones are diamonds. There is the Hope Diamond, the Kohinoor, which was an Indian diamond now in the Crown Jewels. There is the Cullinan Diamond, the Regent Diamond. Um, and uh, I thought it was very interesting that a lot of... Uh, uh, or, or in ancient Roman literature, when they talk about Cupid, they talk about his arrows being tipped with diamond, hmm. um, which might give us some... Uh, idea as to why we consider them uh, the stones for engagement rings and things for love today. Oh, that wasn't something that just started like in the 50s? Well, it definitely was something started by De Beers, but that was, I think, even the 1880s, but until they uh, ran that advertising campaign about about engagement rings. Interesting. That, that is true. But I think we do still associate them with love. Yeah. Uh, emeralds. Emeralds. I'm 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 gonna keep moving on. Yeah, let's, let's uh, just, so let's emeralds, just keep going. Yes, emerald mining. The techniques for mining them haven't changed for thousands of years. They use the tunnel method to being the still most productive way um, to discover the stone. Um, and in ancient times, it was more common to find minerals in Egypt, Australia, and India. But today, Colombia is the leader in emerald production. Uh, yes, uh, the uh, first known emerald mines, uh, we think, are uh, 330 B.C. in Egypt, and Cleopatra was known to have a particular passion for emeralds. They, which know, is they thought it was promoting the health uh, in babies and crops, too. That's Egypt. true, yeah. Um, uh, there's actually a few, uh, a few different... Uh, Aristotle thought that emeralds... Uh, would protect you against epilepsy and poor eyesight. Hmm. Um, so there are uh, uh, the ancient emperor Nero is said to have worn a pair of eyeglasses fashioned from emeralds. Interesting. Yes. Emeralds are also the thing you mine in Minecraft to trade with villagers because they won't buy anything else, or you can only buy things with emeralds. Mm. Minecraft. Minecraft. <laughs> I don't know why we didn't do Minecraft. I don't know why we didn't do Minecraft. <laughs> uh, Did you know that the word emerald comes from the Latin smaragdus and the Greek smaragdos? You know meaning what? I didn't know that. Green gem. Oh, that's clever. <laughs> uh, how about opal? What do you know about opal? What do I know about opal? I know uh -huh. a lot about opal. <laughs> Did you know that throughout much of history, opal was only mined in Slovakia? I didn't know that. Yeah, well, I just told you. <laughs> what color is opal? Opal's the, uh, do we know what color opal is? <laughs> yeah, opal is a ton of colors. That's kind of why opals are prized. I was going to say, that's probably why in my brain I can't think of, like, one color for opal. That's true, because uh, uh, they commonly contain a ton of colors in a single stone. Mm. Um, they are uh, There are very large opal mines in Australia, um, 
and the aboriginals called the opal the rainbow serpent, and they believed that it formed when all the colors of the rainbow came together as one. Wait, were those the pictures you were showing me earlier? Yes, the... Uh, uh, the the Arkenstone. The, the black opals of the Lightning Ridge in Ooh, New South yeah. Wales. Um are just incredibly beautiful stones. You should uh, just do a quick Google image search for black opal because despite the fact that they have black in their moniker, they are absolutely gorgeous uh, starred stones. Mm -hmm. They look like they have the universe inside them. It's like if you took a bunch of sprinkles, smashed them in a kaleidoscope, and then put them in a rock. Yes. Um, They're usually the... the product of silica deposits uh, after heavy seasonal rains, and then uh, silica has a high refraction as light goes through it, so you get all these uh, uh, flashing colors as you kind of turn it around. It looks like the color is playing inside. I do always say there's always a leprechaun at the end of an opal. Topaz. Topaz. <laughs> that can be found all over the world. Uh, the biggest production of topaz comes from the mines located in Australia, Nigeria, Russia, and the United States. Uh, most significantly in New Hampshire uh, and the Topaz Mountain in Utah is in the United States. Um, I know in video games, Topaz was always uh, referred to as like lightning stones. Mm, yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm, yes. Mm. Uh, there are uh, mines in uh, Brazil where you can find Topaz at these uh, boulder sizes that weigh hundreds of kilograms. What? Um, and so they just transport the entire thing to a museum at that point rather than breaking it up into usable stones. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, great. But like, <laughs> I feel like they could get a lot of money. They probably could. But it's also an interesting geological and gemological phenomenon yeah. of these enormous precious stones. Oh, they should cut it into a giant gem. Yeah. So anyway, those are like some of the main gems that, uh, that we're talking about right now. Um, but... But you have those gems, and you have where you find them. Now, now they have to come, and they have to be sold, right? They have to follow the supply chain to eventually be cut, and so you can put it on your little finger. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and like I was saying earlier, a lot of this is done with uh, small, independent miners. Um, they work in these remote locations, usually in, in, uh, on their property or just somewhere that's easily accessible to them. Um, uh, and uh, uh, there are a lot of them. It's actually um, most mining that's this done this way. This is really surprising to me. I guess I just like uh, thinking about somebody just in their backyard and they just started digging. And then they just kept digging. Pretty much in Sri Lanka alone, which is not a large nation, there are more than 5,000 registered colored gemstone mining locations. That's insane. Yeah. Um, and most of them are not more than 10 feet by 10 feet. Holes. Yeah, they're just, they're just holes. No, um, I mean the, the, oh, the, the, the book the, holes. The book holes, yes. Your, your, uh, wasn't your shovel 10 feet by 10 feet, or was it 6 feet? Starring Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf, and yeah. In the book holes. In the book holes. Yeah. yeah Shia LaBeouf was in the book. Yeah. These are fun facts. <laughs> Um, usually these kind of independent miners are not interested in the international gemstone market. So they just unload as quickly and easily as they can so that they can go back to their own personal mines and lives. So they just sell it to a local market. Uh, A lot of times it'll be someone uh, uh, that they know, friends or family, or a a trusted colleague uh, who knows how to act as a middleman to get that gemstone up into the international market. Hmm. So just like in Splendor the game, there's a lower tier level of gems that that you can buy and you need less gems to get them. 
And those generally are the mines. So I guess you could really kind of think about it. Those are your backyard mines. You have an opal mine. You have a uh, sapphire mine. You have a ruby mine. And those just happen to be in your backyard that you're collecting, if you will. That's true. And that's kind of that bottom level until you can make it to the next level of uh, cards that you can purchase, which are usually the uh, services. That is to say, uh, cutting, polishing, transportation. Mm -hmm. Um and the process of cutting and polishing gems uh, is called lapidary or gem cutting. So if you hear somebody is a uh, lapid artist or la lapidarist? <laughs> lapidarist. Lap lapidarist. Uh, lap 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 lap. Yeah, they're the ones who cut. Lapidarist? Lap lapidarist, yeah. They're the ones who cut and polish the gems. They're the ones who get it to look as fancy as you want it in a bunch of different ways. That's true. It starts off with a technique called cobbing, where it's just lightly hammered to get uh, uh, any excess uh, rock or other stones off. Um, and then it goes into some uh, very complex ways of, of forming the stones we know today, where first you have to cut the stone through sawing or grinding or sanding um, or lapping. And then uh, uh, you also have to uh, polish the stone um, and occasionally use techniques of drilling if they're being used for beads in a necklace, uh, for instance, if you have a pearl necklace. Or uh, the one I mentioned earlier, uh, like tumbling, where you're just going for large, more natural-looking polished stones. Mm -hmm. And it's important for the lapid... Dar, lap, lap, Lepiterist. Thank you. Lepiterist. <laughs> to... To be aware of, of how much they're taking off, because you probably have heard certain carrots on a diamond or certain carrots on whatever gem. So a carrot is actually a unit of measure to weigh gems in the sense that one carrot equals 200 milligrams. So you know that that just taking off a little bit on the corner of your emerald that you're cutting can really change the price of what you're, of, of the actual gem in the long run. That's true, and it should not be mistaken with the term carrot as referred to gold, which is about the gold's purity, mm -hmm. um, about the actual uh, proportion of gold in an alloy out of 24 parts is what a carrot uh, is for gold and, and that's about gemstones. That's true, yes. Where carrot here is spelled with a C. Yes, and is about uh, mass. Yes. Yes. Yeah, or not also to be confused with carrot, like the orange um, vegetable. Did you know you that it's only orange since the 1800s in the Netherlands? I did know that. Uh, listen to our Dutch Blitz episode to find out more about that. Or just a little bit more about that. It's a lot of information. <laughs> <laughs> so you can mine these stones, you can get them cut, but there are also other types of stones, which are lab-created stones, which that's is true. something that's a little bit more recent. But uh, of the 66.5 million dollars worth of gemstones produced in the United States, only 9.57 million were natural stones, and the remaining 56.9 million dollars that were sold in the United States were laboratory-created. So they have the same chemical properties and they look the same as a natural stone, but they've been manufactured and grown in a lab. That's true. And uh, uh, law requires that these stones be clearly marked mm -hmm. so that we know that they are not natural stones, which I think is very interesting. Did but, you look at how they actually made these in a lab? Oh uh, Yeah, a lot of times it's just submitting uh, certain chemicals to a certain type of pressure or heat which is how these gemstones are naturally formed. We can just do it much quicker uh, in a lab and without the ecological ramifications of mining and sometimes the social ramifications of mining. Yes. Um, uh, that can be a, a very big deal, um, and it can be very detrimental to, uh, to lives and economies if mining is not done properly and, and, and 
with some respect for human life. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, since Blender doesn't really talk about that, we won't go too deep into that. It's true. <laughs> yes. Because uh, I would not want to casually mention anything and offend anybody. So that's a lot of uh, the process of start to finish the story of gems and where you go from there. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add onto that, but I have some fun random gem things. I would love some fun random gem facts. Wonderful. So we talk about like the certain cuts that different uh, gems get. So diamonds get that that. I mean, a diamond cut. You've seen it's like the top it's a, it's is a faceted stone. Yes. Uh, so that when you think of stones, faceted stones, those are the ones that are cut very clean, very neat. Uh, you, I always imagine a ruby more like a stop sign. I always imagine a sapphire a little bit longer. I always imagine a diamond in that uh, pointed at the bottom, faceted on the top. Cut very precise. Sapphires are op- are oval. Yeah, or oval. Yeah, yeah oval or definitely longer. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah and emeralds there's... are that rectangular prism. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you have you have very very specific ones uh, in your brain. Uh, some some uh, lap uh-huh. <laughs> uh They they've been having some fun with it, and they have something called fantasy cuts, and they they actually cut these gems into interesting designs. Uh, mainly, they use ameth- amethyst, citrine, and blue topaz because it creates some really really fun designs. And I think they probably follow the more natural design and the more natural cut of whatever the rock was, and then they facet it in a way. That creates these really, really fun shapes. Uh, yeah, kind of like uh, uh, like uh, uh, exploding stars, kind of kind of that 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 idea of like the the spiky sphere. Exactly. You know, or, yeah. Or uh, one that looks like a caterpillar. I see you included here, which yeah. I really enjoy. I really like these. I think I think the 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 idea of a gemstone always looks so fake to me when I think of like pirate's treasure and you get all those coins and you get all those gemstones and they just they always feel very fake to me and seeing something like this if you get a chance just look up fantasy cuts gemstones if you just look up fantasy cuts you'll get a lot of haircut things i found (laughs) Uh, but if you look up gemstones specifically you'll find these really really beautiful more natural looking cuts to these stones another fun thing is dinosaur bone agate 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 Agate? Mm -hmm. Man, I am having trouble with pronouncing these. You couldn't take this one. (laughs) (laughs) So there is a mineral replacement process called pseudomorphism that can happen at uh, high temperatures and high pressures in the earth. Sometimes it will happen to uh, dinosaur bones, and it will be uh, the the minerals that make up the dinosaur bones will be chemically replaced with these minerals such as agate, which uh, is a kind of quartz and uh, known to have uh, a very large variety of colors. So you get these stones that are almost literally organic stones uh, that just look beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Another organic kind of stone uh, gem is a stingray coral. So in Alaska, uh, a type of coral fossil was found that looked like stingray skin, which is uh, very, it's almost almost giraffe-like. Sure. It almost looks like scales on skin. Yeah, exactly. And so this coral was millions of years old, and they found a way to take it and uh, and polish it up and turn it into a gemstone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other fun fossils, like the opal fossils, uh, are also very cool, which is that same process of, of pseudomorphism. Um, but in this, you'll have uh, uh, tree branches, seashells, pine cones that are undergoing this this process of this chemical replacement. So the opal tends to fill in uh, cracks 
in in larger things that uh, uh, degraded out uh, depending on what their chemical composition was. So you get these striated opals inside of what's the word I'm looking for? Um, where the wood gets really hard. Um, and then it lasts for a long time, and people make petrified? coffee tape. Petrified wood. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> cut, yeah. all, cut all that out. <laughs> uh, nothing gets cut. Uh, <laughs> so if you Google uh, opal fossils, you can see these. It's really cool. It's, it's almost like if you cut a tree, and you get to see all, like, like an old piece of wood when you cut it uh, in half, and you can see all the rings. But imagine the rings inside the trees are glowing with, like, a blue, opal-y kind of glow. It's really, really cool. It looks... Final Fantasy esque. Yes. Yeah. Um, and last we have the tektites. Uh, so uh, a long time ago, meteorites crashed into the Earth, uh, causing rocks to melt. And these rocks, they cooled and they became this natural glass. And it's usually brown or green, usually really dark colors. And they take this space glass and they'll cut it into gems. And so you create literal space gems, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do have one more, actually, if you don't Ooh, mind. Fun, yes. Just a fun gem fact about the gem tourmaline. Uh, tourmaline is both pyroelectric and piezoelectric. Uh, which means that it produces an electrical charge when subjected to enough heat or enough pressure. Um, that's so cool. I just think that's really awesome. It makes me think of those fantasy tropes where you're you're like you have this machine and it can only be powered by this special gem cut in a certain way. Right. Yeah. yeah. We have to go collect more power crystals. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Or or like I said before, Final Fantasy, where the entire city is run on a crystal. Yes. Like and it. Tourmaline is literally that crystal. That's insane. It's not fantasy. That's insane. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. That's a good one to end on. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't got anything else. That's it for me. I don't got anything else. Uh, so if you liked what we did today, or if you have a suggestion for another game, um, Splendor's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun with two people. It's a lot of fun with four people. Uh, it makes you feel like you're always about to win. It's a really cool game. Uh, pick it up. But if you have a suggestion for another game or another theme you want us to do, go ahead and email beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also submit a review and mention it in there. That would be awesome. Um, and subscribe. And you can get us every other week here on the Nerdalog Network. Absolutely. We yeah. like it when, when, when people leave us a little note. Please do. Uh, if you want to follow me, Mike, <laughs> uh, you can find uh, me on... Twitter at the two pancakes or an Instagram at two pancakes. You can also follow both of us at uh, on um, Instagram at goingbtb. That's going beyond the board. And you can find me, Michael, on Instagram at psychmater. Yes. Uh, and thank you to the Nerdalogs as always for as always. Uh, uh, keeping us on their podcast network. Uh, they're really great people. And from beyond the board, we're, we're Mike. Mike. And shine on, you crazy diamonds. Bright like a diamond. Difference is a different song. <laughs> Old man Mike. Good, I'm using the wrong board. <laughs> <laughs>This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Thanks for listening. You were a precious stone. Nope, that's just a, that's just a Tony G. And Michael song. That no one is going to know that. You are a precious stone. <laughs> um, <laughs> lapidary.
Stay, stay gluten and lapidary free. Okay. Mm, right. <laughs> now, listen, I'm just workshopping here. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I'm, uh, geo, geode's another thing you could do. Most likely will be bad. Yeah. We're not that good at this.